Last time on This Paranormal Life. What he doesn't realize is that he had just discovered one of the strangest and most bizarre crime scenes of all time. Sometimes people just straight up old-fashioned die. She spotted something in the sky the exact same night. The two guys went up that hill to do whatever the hell they were doing up that hill with those lead masks. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to This Paranormal Life. Life, life, life. The paranormal podcast where every week we investigate a brand new paranormal case. Scratch that shit. We're investigating the same paranormal case that we investigated last week. (laughs) Because this is part two, baby. This one was too chunky to get to the bottom. Exactly. Oh lord, it coming. Now, if you have no idea what we're talking about, I recommend going back and listening to part one of the lead mask case. Things are going to make a lot more sense listening to that. And then please continue onward onto this, the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Now, that's kind of boring. Let's not call it a conclusion. Uh, the lead mask case, part two. This time, it's personal. And then I'll add like a like metal hits. That's more exciting for sure than conclusion. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my paranormal co-host, Kit Greer. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here. I'm having a good time. And I cannot wait to see where this one goes. I was truly baffled last week. A couple of sleepless nights. That's right. I haven't slept a goddamn wink since. So um, if you see me with my eyes closed, I'm still probably listening. Uh, well, as we know, we ended our story at the police station. Yeah. With Senor de Souza claiming that his wife said that she saw some sort of UFO the same night the two men died on the hilltop. A very peculiar coincidence, to say the least. Exactly, exactly. Now, the police told him to elaborate on his story. And he said, My wife told me it was an oval-shaped object of an orangey color with a band of fire around its edges. She said it was sending out rays of light in all directions for around four minutes, rising and falling in the night sky. Wow. Then too scared to continue watching any longer, she drove the kids home. That's quite animated. Yeah, it wasn't just like, I I think I saw a light on the hill. It's like, I saw a a demon's jetpack. And it was restless. I know machines aren't usually restless, but this thing was moving up and down (laughs) constantly. Yeah, because usually you hear about a UFO and it's like, oh, he was gliding silently. It's like, this thing was a bat out of hell. It was screeching. (laughs) This guy heard Motley Crue playing out the window. (laughs) It's pretty... um, pretty descript as well very descript actually it looks like she got a pretty good uh view of the thing now senior de souza was quite a prominent member of the community uh-huh. so when word got out about what he had told the police people were astounded but not only this not only were they astounded but after his testimony several others came forward to say that they had seen something similar that same night interesting now we're getting more people coming in. Yeah, I saw it as well. Yeah, I think I saw it too. Is it difficult though, if after this prominent member of the community has come out and say it, yeah. then other people come out with the same story? It's like, what? You're, everyone knows that you're D'Souza's like, biggest sycophant and like friend. Of course you're going to say back him up. What are we saying D'Souza looked like? I mean, he's probably... He's an older gent, isn't he? Yeah. So he's probably... But I'm guessing... He's like, I imagine he's got maybe a handlebar mustache, slicked so. back hair. Always rolled. one of those fat cigars in his mouth. But also like really looks like he's a hands-on guy, like rolled up sleeves, yeah. top button undone on a, sh- on a pristine shirt. Got uh, calluses all over his hands. That's right, yeah. He's always helping the locals like fix their cars and things yeah, like that. Like half cyborg as well, probably. Why? Well, just, you know, everyone wants to be like him. Is that what you want to be? I've never wanted to Obviously, be Obviously, everyone wants to be half cyborg. Yeah, you're wearing the glasses from uh, Cyclops from X-Men. Same glasses as him right now. Also, isn't wouldn't half cyborg mean half, half robot human? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like saying half centaur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which means you've got a horse leg. <laughs> One single horse leg. That's all I need, baby. Well... <laughs> After this news, the police are like, all right, we have to reopen this case. There's something going on here and we need to get to the bottom of it. Right. So they go back to the start. The day that the two men left their hometown. They, you know, they're doing a bit better work this time. I feel like they kind of glazed over it the first time. They were like, you know, they got on the bus, blah, blah, died on the hill. All right, case closed. 
Yeah. At that time, they thought it was a cut and dry suicide. So there wasn't really the need. They were going in with some preconceived notions. The dots were already connected in their head. Yeah. But now they know that it probably wasn't suicide. They're not going to go back with a fine tooth comb. Exactly. Unfortunately, all the evidence is long gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. This is the equivalent of trying to find the dinosaur bones after you sledgehammered your way through the ground to look for them the first built time built some high rise apartments on the site of the dinosaur grounds and then 20 years later gone yeah. do you know what there might have been something to those bones <laughs> and then get out like some sort of elaborate honey i shrunk the kids-esque machinery to comb over it at a microscopic level it's like all there is is this dinosaur dust it's like <laughs> you you broke the bones the first time well, they're going back anyway, all right? They talk with their friends, families, trying to find a tiny little speck of evidence that they could have right. missed. Sometimes it's just that one piece that holds it all together. Exactly. Like, um, let's think of something in the real world that is held together by one piece. A car. What is a car without a steering wheel? Okay. It's just a, some sort of mad battering ram. <laughs> One way of looking at it, for sure. Well, they found that speck, Kit. Really? That speck was named Miguel's uncle. <laughs> He's actually fat as hell. <laughs> Far from a speck. Yeah, it's one of those like ironic rapper names. Right, Lil Speck. <laughs> Lil Speck. He uh, is 400 pounds. 7'3 <laughs> of rippling muscle and fat. I don't know how they missed him, really. Well, apparently while Miguel and Manuel were waiting for their bus to leave their hometown... They bumped into Miguel's uncle, who noticed, oh, you guys are dressed up pretty fancy. Because mm -hmm. they were dressed in, in their matching suits. So Miguel's uncle is like, hey, fellas, where are you headed? Hmm. And they replied, we're going to Niteroy to buy a car. Huh. The uncle was confused and pointed out, uh, you know, it would be a lot cheaper to buy a car here in Campo dos Goitacazes. Miguel replied, we're also going to attend other matters <laughs> so he's not a great liar no he, he had one alibi and that thing was paper thin yeah it, it stood up to absolutely no line of questioning whatsoever you know beforehand manuel was like all right look miguel if anyone asks like just say that just say we're gonna go meet a friend okay yeah that totally fine yeah just I, say I can, we're gonna go meet a friend sure it's not uh, a big deal yeah, uh, what's the friend's name, name going to be, though? Uh, shit. It's irrelevant. Uh, we don't need to bring that up. Are you sure? I feel like they're going to... Okay. No, it's fine. Don't <sighs> don't bring it up beforehand. Only if you need to bring it up, mention the friend. Okay. Okay. Hey, guys, how's it going? I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. That's a so weird just thing. stop talking. Miguel, you got to shut the f*** okay. up, man. Okay, okay. Right, you got to keep it cool. One, se one second, uncle. You got to keep it chill, all right? Say we're going to go meet a friend. Okay. You guys okay over there? I'm going to buy a car. I need to buy a car. Do you have a car? Do you have a car? Because I could... I really need one. Well, you we don't have a car. I, can I have it, sir? No. Uncle, sir. Why are you dressed... What? Why did you just exclaim you don't have friends? Oh, well, you see, I was just explaining why uh, uh, my friend here was saying that I might need a seven-seater car. But I said, I don't have any friends, so I'm not going to be needing a seven-seater car just to... Cedar World Miguel, Doom. you gotta chill out, man. Oh, you gotta chill out, I think man. I just pissed myself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to start talking. It's like, all right, don't worry. I got this. I got this covered. I can cover for you. So what are you guys saying? Oh, friends. We got them. We got Oh, em. yeah. Ton of friends. <laughs> anyway, see you later. The buzz doors aren't even open yet. He just goes, <laughs> rips them open, gets on board. <laughs> Sir, you have to pay for a ticket. Bye-bye! <laughs> and does like that. I'm driving the bus now! <laughs> does that thing where he fakes walking downstairs, <laughs> but down the bus window. Ta-ta, uncle! The bus remains stationary for 30 minutes while they <laughs> fix the door. <laughs> They're acting a little suspicious. The uncle says, before they got on the bus, Miguel turned finally once more and said, Upon our return... We will have had a definitive spiritual revelation. Okay, so nothing to do with a car. Now they've they've wow. blown it. Just blown the car. I think that's when the that's when if you're the uncle, you take the keys out of the bus and you go, <laughs> "Boys, all right, what the f is going on?" You've been drinking at least. Even if you were gonna lie to me, explain the the masks. Just been there the whole time. <laughs> That is very worrying. I mean, in this yeah. day and age, if um, you're a parent, for example, yeah, and uh, you know your kid 
normally he's just like staying in school pretty good sometimes yeah. the weekends i don't know like go go hang out with his friends play cod uh, and then one day that kid who's usually just wearing a hoodie and trainers he's wearing a suit and you're like where are you going to have a definitive spiritual experience dad i think that's the day you realize your son is now smoking weed <laughs> <laughs> he's he's discovered pot and it sent him completely the other way somehow he started yeah. clean shaving every day slicking his hair back wearing a suit he's way more chill now yeah that's a worrying a worrying thing to say when mm. when you're leaving on any kind of venture in these sort of secular times we live in even religious people don't talk like that no the only people i could imagine talking like this today would be posh kids starting a gap year right saying literally i'm gonna have a definitive spiritual revelation six weeks of uh drinking at full moon parties in thailand later they're enlightened i guess yeah they come back with a tattoo of yin and yang but like <laughs> on, on each nipple <laughs> yeah and, and they're like actually dad my name is baba steve das now and in all aspects except physical i am a wolf <laughs> well the more the police talk to people who knew the two men the more the truth started to come to light, Kit. And it was not a pretty truth. Miguel and Manuel were self-proclaimed spiritual scientists. Okay, okay. And according to one friend, were obsessed with attempting to contact extraterrestrials and spirits. How did no one else catch this? The uncle had no idea? Honestly, I don't think the police really cared. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to go up the mountain until, like, the next day to even retrieve the bodies. Seems like they just glazed over a bunch of these little details. That only until it became a bigger thing were they like, oh, we should probably look into this. Yeah. A little more. I guess if they had, in their note at the point of death, they had written the word UFO somewhere, that might have opened a few more um, lines of inquiry, but... They didn't give us much to go with, to be fair. That's that's true. So police are like, I guess at this point, they're like, look, I arrest robbers. I am a normal man. I don't know how to f- solve a spiritual scientist crime scene. Like the biggest crime scene I solved was who shot the hairdresser. <laughs> This is him talking to his police chief. And, and he's like, you're a good cop. This is not that complicated a case. You've got this. He's like, I do not deal with greys. I'll come out and say it. It's not that I don't want to do this because I don't believe in this shit. I know it's real. That's why I'm staying the f- away from it, chief. I don't want to end up away. with a lead mask over my eyes. That's such a hilarious backstory for a police officer who's like afraid to take on a paranormal case where he might have to Mm. uh, discharge his weapon because 10 years ago he shot a gray that turned out to be friendly and now it's like scarred him for life right he doesn't want to like he's like i can't deal with it anymore the memories still haunt me Mm -hmm. i come in peace (laughs) that baby gray runs long (laughs) you said it was friendly what did the the nice man do (laughs) so long story short They need the help of a professional. Right. Enter Charles Bowen, professional UFO journalist. (laughs) Okay. Not a cop. Not a cop. Or a detective or anything. But a journalist. Fair enough. It's beyond the law of Earth. Yeah. But that's kind of like saying if you have a rare tropical disease, you don't need a doctor. This is beyond the laws of medical physics. You need some freaky little monkey doctor who knows the jungle, breathes the jungle. Monkey doctor. (laughs) Just like putting bananas in your wound, like making it a thousand times worse. (laughs) I don't think it was infected before, but it sure is not. Well, Charles begins his investigation, psychodiving into the world of spiritual scientists. Really? Into the history of Miguel and Manuel. And he makes some shocking discoveries. Really? According to his research, the police had missed the fact that months before their deaths, the two men had tried to build some sort of machine that accidentally exploded in their back garden. When asked about it, the men had said it was designed to help them communicate with Mars. So we're seeing sort of a similar theme here coming through with their relatives and their friends. It seems like these two men, the self-proclaimed spiritual scientists, Mm -hmm. were very interested in making contact with aliens, other worlds, Mm -hmm. spirits. Mm -hmm. It seems like this is a very through line in our story. 
Yeah, for sure. It almost seems impressive that they were bad enough at building machines that it failed, but good enough to... I mean, it seems almost impressive that they built a machine that blew up in their faces. What the hell were they using? I like, don't know. Rocket fuel? Well, they're both technicians as well. Yeah. They're like electronic technicians. So, I mean, they're not dumb. They know uh-huh. they're building something. It wasn't just like, all right, we need double A batteries and we're going to duct tape them to this <laughs> stick of dynamite. We come in peace. <laughs> this is going to be so loud. They're going to hear it on Mars. <laughs> yeah, they obviously know they're trying to build something, but it didn't go well. Yeah. By the sounds of it. When was this story again? 1966. Yeah, I feel like back then, especially, there was a fun, maybe it was like a space race mm. type um, attitude that they kind of thought anything was possible. People kind of felt like they could rig together something that would contact Mars in their back garden. And like, whereas I feel like today we'd be like, no, I've seen the type of telescopes you need to achieve that kind of thing. Whereas back then they were like, hell, if I strap (laughs) a nine volt to this crystal, I may have a lightsaber. Yeah, this was like, this was a, a time of beautiful beautiful ignorance yes where people just thought anything was possible and now we're quite educated and we learned that uh unfortunately the world has very very strict rules on what is and what yeah, isn't and you better stay in your lane exactly. because it would probably take you 10 years of going to university and studying to be able to even understand the logistics of how to contact mars with a goddamn telescope it's very true this actually is quite cool this reminds me of a thing i was reading up and watching a video about just to show you like how easy it was and how uh, ambitious people were uh-huh. with their like technological advancements there was a kid known as david han who's also known as the radioactive boy scout <laughs> have you heard of this guy no so i mean we could do one on him in at some angle <laughs> because he is a radioactive mutant today <laughs> 20 feet tall you may know him by his street name godzilla street name (laughs) it's like a drug uh basically i believe sometime between like 1990 and 1995 this kid built a functioning reactor like a nuclear reactor in his shed that is so dead put him behind bars he's a threat to society and i mean this was i mean he just wanted to like do experiments he was fascinated with like radioactive material and he just ordered it all online like this is this there were no protocols dealing with this stuff i hope he was grounded i think he was very much grounded (laughs) it's also interesting to note vintem hill was somewhat of a hot spot for ufo sightings huh meaning if these two dudes did want to make contact this would be a perfect place. Right, okay. So they were aware of that, obviously. Yes, I believe so. Now, just when Charles, our UFO journalist, thought he was about to hit a brick wall, he read about another death. A death that had happened in 1962, four years before Miguel and Manuel passed away. Huh. Brace yourself, Kit. The man's name was Hermes Luis Fitoza, named by his parents after Hermes, the messenger of the gods. Of course. Pretty badass. Now, the details of Hermes' death were elusive, with the exact date changing from source to source. But there was one thing that they all agreed on. Hermes died wearing a handmade lead mask. What? His body was found dead of no apparent cause, uh-huh. no injuries, uh-huh. no trace of poison. But a similar lead mask on his head. Four years prior. This is bonkers. Isn't that insane? Where are these people getting it from? I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) Just come on, say that now, okay. I feel like I gave you guys a little glimpse at the conclusion of (laughs) of this episode. Again, weird that the police... I mean, that must have been police records. This is pretty lazy policing, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or intentionally lazy policing. But I guess, I mean... I wonder, these days they got computers. These days, do they... At least, like, whenever someone dies, do they create, like, SoundCloud-level tags? Like, hashtag lead mask, hashtag bottle of water, hashtag suicide. And then does the computer go like, oh, if you're interested in this case, you might be interested in this case also. But maybe back then we didn't have any police records like that that were easily available. So you weren't just going to start pulling up files from four or five years ago. Exactly. Although you'd think... I mean, it seems like Hermes died in a pretty similar location. 
Yep. You'd think that maybe some of the same police would be involved in the case. Who knows? Maybe it was a bit of a different district or something. But also, you know, these days, sometimes people will die. You know, there'll be incidents on the same given night or week. And they'll be very similar. And then you'll hear on the news, they'll go, you know, the incidents don't appear to be linked. So even something that goes unsolved five years prior, and then the same sort of thing happens again five years later, and it's definitely not a murder. (sighs) I, I don't know if anyone would like draw a link between even the two of those today. Like, would there be enough evidence to say that? It is true. And again, this is what, 1966? I don't know how weird the deaths were in these days. Maybe in between these two deaths, another dude died on a hill dressed as a clown with cheese in his shoes. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, and there's another lead lead mask guy. It's a pretty crazy time. You know, the, it's like, wow, these guys both had a uh, lead eye mask. It's like, well, also LSD was just invented. <laughs> yeah. so we have to go deal with that. Years later, an author named Waquez Ville, who studied the case and actually wrote an entire book about it, hmm. said that where the bodies were found, even to this day, grass refused to grow there. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't... <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem very scientific, but fine. I actually forgot I included this paragraph. <laughs> Yeah, it takes a real left turn. I'm starting to see how he managed to fill an entire book with this case. I'm assuming he means he's going down the more like radioactive side of it. Yeah, Maybe yeah, 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 yeah. Radioactive. Not, not, just... not a spiritual reason why there's no grass. Yeah, like if any weeds try and grow there, their spirits come out and pluck them from the earth. Right. I think it's supposed to be implying more of a radioactive thing. But cool. just interesting. Got and it. he's an author, a published author. So, you know, what are you? Not to, dra- I mean, not to drag you like that, but, you know, he's done something with his life. He's created something. I get something. shot down by about 85 publishers a year and counting. It's been a bad year. Same as last five years. What's your book called? My Shit Life. How to Bounce Back from Divorces 1 through 3. Jesus Christ. Are those all... Is that three books? No, no, no. It's one book. It's one... And it's all... It's 800 pages long. Good Lord. Who are you pitching this to? Mostly Rowling. George R. R. Tolkien. So not even publishers. You're pitching it to authors who have already What's written. What's a publisher? Penguin. Why would I pitch my book to the animal market? Those things barely read. Good luck with the book. Fine. I'm actually, I've done a 180 now. I really, I want you to succeed. I think for both of us, I think you need that to happen. I really feel that if the book got published, uh, I could get it off my chest and like move on with my life. But it's been eight years and counting. So I think, you know, I can put all of this to rest and finally become a better man. It gets published. You barely make any money. And on Facebook, you're like, you see that, Linda? You see that? You think I'm, you still think I'm a f- failure? My book's published by a penguin, Linda. She's blocked you. They've all blocked Highly you. Highly reviewed in Antarctica. <laughs> I feel like we've been dancing around a lot of shit for a long time, Okay. We need to start honing in on what is happening in this case. Yeah. I feel as confused as these policemen must have. We've looked into what happened. Yeah. We've looked into maybe why it happened. Right. Let's look at what's happened. (laughs) Didn't you just say that? (laughs) We looked at why's happened. We know what's happened, but we need to look at who's happened. (laughs) Who's? What's who's happening? (laughs) 4.30, be at the specified location. 6.30, ingest capsules. After the effect, protect metals, await signal mask. This is the broken English note that was found beside the dead bodies. The first time I was so intrigued by the, the time, the instructions, and the mask that I kind of actually glossed over the protect metals part. That bit kind of went under my radar. But yeah. that's actually one of the most crucial elements of that post because yeah. it kind of it indicates that's the reason they're there somehow that these are precious somehow yeah and again just to show you how incredibly confusing this whole case is there are so many different ways to interpret that note and so many different ways people have interpreted that note for example the protect metals people have theorized they're referring to their lead sunglasses yeah the metals that protect Mm -hmm. other people think that they were doing some sort of transaction where they needed to protect a metal that they were either receiving or providing. Also, I read another theory 
that um, testimonies from the, the time said that the bodies were found with both of their watches inside of their pockets. Wow. As if whatever activity they were doing meant that they had to protect their medals. Yeah. It's so crazy. There are so many theories. Right. That's kind of interesting. So the fact that they took their watches off, they might not have been talking about some sort of rare metal inside a suitcase that was particularly important, but maybe just referring to as if you're going through a x-ray machine and they're like, please empty your pockets or going through even better a if you have to get an MRI machine scan done because it's such a powerful magnet, you have to remove all metals or else your goddamn wrist would break in half. Just explode. Yeah. Well, I think one of the most interesting thing is whatever they were doing or whatever these instructions are, they are instructions. They have been given by someone. Yeah. I mean, do you think, could they be instructions to yourself i mean if you write shorthand you might kind of do it in that style i guess but they're so intricate i feel like protect metals mask i mean they've shown up there with the masks they made presumably they know to put them on i know what you mean so if it was self-evident they wouldn't need to write it down exactly it's it's not like you if you were going on holiday or going on like a hike outside you're going to make a list like buy water be at hike destination yeah. at set time, apply sunscreen. Right. That's not how you're going to write. You're not going to find me dead one day with a note that <clears throat> says, poop, wipe ass, <laughs> flush toilet, wash hands. And, like, I can do that all stuff. Of, all of them are ticked except wipe <laughs> ass. And wash hands. <laughs> well, one popular theory was that, and this is it's pretty out there, but... I got to the point where I realized all of the theories are pretty out there because this case is so strange. Let's go deep. One theory was that the men were illegally purchasing some sort of radioactive material. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Possibly for the second version of whatever machine they had built that exploded four months before. This would give us a motive for the first time. Exactly. And it starts explaining things like the uh the lead sunglasses yep. as a very granted poor protective method from any radioactivity it would also explain the suits if they figured that this was some sort of business deal mm-hmm. dressing quite formally and the illegality of it would explain their covert nature not explaining to anyone what they were actually doing exactly now the idea as well behind this was that maybe the supplier was a bit sketchy yeah. and gave them pills to quote protect against radioactivity which was actually poison it was killing them but didn't the coroner oh no i was i was gonna say didn't the coroner determine that there was no poison cause of death but actually the coroner never got around he couldn't get off his lazy ass right something look at the bodies yeah maybe i was a little hard on him granted the first time round, but do i trust him now hell no yeah and so nothing's changed Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. 
All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot. And whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. So there's a lot of strange theories about this case. I did read that spirituality and obsession with kind of extraterrestrials is actually quite popular in Brazil. Okay. Maybe that plays a part into it in some way. Yeah. I mean, there are some even more insane theories that talk about Project Paperclip, where all the Nazis had come over to yep. like America and South America after the war. Yeah. And uh, possibly these two guys were involved in military missions mm -hmm. that then the military had to dispose of them. So they lied to them and told them there was going to be some sort of radioactive explosion and yeah. told them to go to this hill. Ah, uh, yeah. When really yeah. they were just yeah, trying yeah, to dispose yeah. of these like dudes who know too much info. Well, you know what? That is fantastical. And that doesn't sound that believable right off the bat without any evidence. Yeah. But... The idea that they thought they were going to witness something that they needed protection from makes more sense than they were going to receive something because we can speculate that they were maybe going to do a business deal and handle some dangerous materials. Yeah. But why in all hell would you just cover your eyes and then you're not able to see something? Yeah. Whereas if you need protection from a distance and you're scared of your eye health... That would make sense to where if you were going to be three miles away from the blast radius of like a nuclear detonation. Exactly. You, you might think that uh, you would need eye protection. It doesn't make sense if you're doing a hand-to-hand -hand swap over of materials. Yeah. I mean, and again, now we have like a reasoning behind this set of instructions. Perhaps mm -hmm. this was like a telegram sent to them, uh, giving them very specific instructions, giving them this like, quote unquote, protective medication that will, you know protect you from the radiation of whatever blast is going to go off. Yeah. I mean, I can see a world where that at least fits. It is true. And it would explain the fact that they had to, whatever they were doing couldn't be done in the town they were from. Right. They had to go, maybe the logic was that they had to go further away to this point. And they were on a hill, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. So Who they... knows? Maybe it just overlooked like a huge part where they were like, from there, you'll be at a safe distance exactly. to witness. Exactly. There was a professor in the, I'm going to butcher this, Folha de Sao Paulo, Paulo, mm -hmm. some sort of article, magazine, book, newspaper, not sure. But his theory was that they may have been trying to carry out a telepathic experiment with high frequency thought waves. Hmm. He explained that in experiments of this kind, alkaloids such as LSD-25 or mescaline are taken to step up the mental alertness and the frequency of the brain. As nuts as that sound, there is historical precedence for this. There's a famous researcher, um, John Lilly, and he reportedly invented more or less the isolation flotation tank, um, which is an amazing gift to the world. I recently did my first float, uh, and it was a crazy experience for anyone that doesn't know. You sort of lie there in a pool of water inside a pod, the pod is pitch black, the water is heated to the exact temperature of your skin and filled up with so much salt that you float and you basically feel like you're in space. It sounds like hell. It's very peaceful. John Lilly believed that by using the pod and ketamine together, <laughs> he could... That really escalated quickly. ...communicate with dolphins. Yeah, there he, we go. He was big into the idea of cross-species communication and obviously talking to a damn dolphin doesn't work. They might understand simple commands, but you can never get any words back. They're tight-lipped little bastards. But he believed by being in perfect isolation and by taking, like you say, a kind of classic psychedelic to elevate the consciousness of his own mind, he might be able to tap into an interspecies language. I love how it's just like, yeah, so by using these like flotation devices, these tanks that have the water set to your body temperature. Uh, he took methadrone and banged a dolphin. 
software. Right. Okay. So he really. <laughs> well, while we're on the topic, as far as I'm aware, his investigations did get shut down um, prematurely whenever one of his research associates jacked off the dolphins. <laughs> um, and that got found out and his funding got cut pretty fast. It's pretty hard to hide that. Yeah. Like, because, you know, you won't get much talk out of dolphins except when they've been jacked off. And then they're pretty vocal about that. <laughs> they're like, hell yeah! Like, you can speak English this whole time? <laughs> the rest of this, this scientific community show up. He hasn't said a peep for like six months. They show up and he's like, this dude just jacked me off! <laughs> this is crazy! This dirty bastard. They're like arresting the scientists. It's like, really? You're not going to say anything about the talking dolphin? Ah, take him away, chief. Good riddance. <laughs> um, all right. That is a weird way to just about reach our conclusion for this story. <laughs> I'm not going to say this is an easy one to conclude. Because, as I said, this is the strangest case that I have had to investigate and present, frankly. Yeah. I mean, to end with dolphin ejaculation is one thing. Right. But the story itself, as a bigger piece, it just... I don't even know where to begin. It's pretty unique in our show's history in terms of how well documented it is, how much actually physical evidence there is for how baffled we are. Normally our cases lack enough physical evidence to point towards a conclusion. Here we have a dearth of physical evidence. I mean, the bodies, the police reports, the notes, the all the personal effects they had on them the goddamn lead sunglasses yeah but every bit of evidence points in about 12 individually different directions that are totally separate to each other and, and it just leaves us successively more confused each piece of evidence after the next investigating this case was like trying to complete a puzzle and when you find the piece that you think is the last one, you slot it in there and realize the puzzle is a picture of a hand that slaps you in the face and then bursts into a thousand more pieces. And you're like, what just happened? I thought I had it. Why, 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 would, why would the puzzle do this? You look in the mirror. You're a dolphin. You look down. You have flippers for hands. <laughs> How are you going to solve the puzzle now, blowhole boy? It's impossible. I don't know. All I think all we can do in this case, like we do with all our cases, is try our best to wrap our little peanut brains around it and come to some sort of conclusion on our own, subjectively, as to whether or not it is paranormal or not. So if we do have to come down to conclusions, right. Kit, what are you thinking? When it comes to this case, we're left with a couple of paranormal theories. Whenever you told me the story right off the bat, I'm kind of thinking, it sounds like these guys believe in some kind of Scientology-level cult. Right. They maybe do believe in Christianity and spirituality here on Earth, but only as connected to the universe outside. They talked about wanting to contact Mars. That's fact. So maybe they believe in a kind of Scientology style. We need to communicate with the beings that are out there, and they will eventually hear our calls, come down to earth and take us away. That's why we need to be dressed in suits, looking our best, ready to go. Uh, we need to have alibis so we can get out of town and we're never coming back. In terms of any other paranormal explanations for what happened, we just don't have any evidence. Unlike the UFO, we, we don't have any evidence to say that they were goddamn possessed or that they were assassinated by Operation Paperclip government agents. That leaves us with the theories that are slightly more based in reality, like we're talking about, that they are in some cult. We know they took some tablets. Whether willingly or not, maybe this is just a kind of a suicide. Yeah. I think one... So one of the things that was a big issue in the first episode, which I... I'm not going to say I got it wrong, but I got it not right. <laughs> they didn't die. They're alive today. <laughs> the the situation that I brought up before with the receipt for the water bottle mm -hmm. where you have to put a deposit down to get your bottle of water. It's, yeah. No, this is the problem. It's even weirder than I thought. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that they bought the bottle of water. I was about to flip on it. It was actually a vending machine. They just got a, <laughs> they got a Gatorade. It's some kind of bizarre system where you put your money inside a machine and the machine gets you a glass of water. And we are, we are, we are, we're supposed to, to assume they ingested this blue liquid? Uh, Miguel opted in. 
He insisted on the option of putting down the deposit to return the bottle. Right. So it wasn't a condition of the bar. It was a, he wanted to do this. He wanted to leave the deposit so he could return the bottle and save money. That makes a lot more sense. So what you're saying is he he opted to save money. He opted to essentially plan for the future, plan for beyond yeah. five minutes ahead. He very much implied he had every intention of coming back yeah. to return the bottle and get his money back. <laughs> he didn't walk in there and she's like, uh, that'll be $2 for the bottle. And he's like, you know what? Just have my Rolex. F*** it. <laughs> That, if he had said that, that would have been a lot more yeah. telling. Enjoy the bomb, asshole. Puts on his shades and walks out the door. I, you know, I've been investigating this pretty thoroughly. In an in a, in a investigation like this, that's just full of inconsistencies, what you have to do is just look for any consistencies. Sure. And what I found was just, you know, talking to all their friends, their family, their relatives, and just their history of who they are the same thing kept popping up their obsession with contacting ufos and aliens we do have weirder things like the schedule with the tablets and the capsules and this opting in to return a water bottle all these things would imply that even though maybe they were going up on that hill to do something weird and dangerous they maybe didn't have the intention of dying up there maybe there was a dosage thing maybe they got it wrong and they died up there unintentionally but from all the possible explanations that is the one that makes the most sense to me, mm -hmm. which unfortunately is the non-paranormal explanation. It's true. Pretty non-paranormal. Pretty boring, actually. Yeah, a bit Yawn. of a waste of time. Shouldn't have done a two-parter. That's like taking a poop standing up and realize you have to poop again. <laughs> waste of time. Should have pooped it all out in one app. Do you need to use the bathroom? Really bad. I'm trying to wrap it up here. Okay. Really wrap it You're up. So thank, so thank you for listening to this. <laughs> so you know we could just hit pause. You can go to the bathroom and no. we can come back. This makes me a better podcaster. I don't think it does. <laughs> Gives me more energy. You are bright red from holding it in. That's that's my conclusion. I what, think, what, what is yours? I think you're 100% onto the right uh, train of thought there. The guys said it themselves. We have a verbal testimony that they were going to have a spiritual experience. It sounds like the sensible thing to do here isn't to project any kind of grandiose like government plutonium handovers onto that. Maybe they were just looking inside themselves through drugs or yeah. other means um, or through religion or whatever it was. But they were going to have a spiritual experience that they thought they were going to come back from. Unfortunately... The autopsy can't give us any definitive clues about what they ingested. That bit is uh, left to be a mystery. Yeah. Fantastic story. Unfortunately, the only conclusions we're left with, like you say, are not paranormal. Unbelievable. It is so frustrating to know that there are cases like this out there that we will never know the answer to. And that's just part of this this podcast you know guys sometimes we're gonna we're gonna reach cases that we don't know the answers to it's all about wrestling with the unknown yeah and losing wrestling with the unknown wrestling with our demons wrestling with a dolphin whatever comes at you in life wrestle it to the ground and punch it into submission yeah that's not wrestling though that's fighting you sound just like my freaking gym teacher man before i socked him one <laughs> It said, wrestle this, asshole. He caught your fist immediately and judo threw you onto the mat. Yeah, he was breaking actually breaking really your arm. good. Oh! oh! <laughs> I came back every day after that with a different weapon. Even when his back was turned, I would exclaim, wrestle this, asshole. Through a shuriken. <laughs> Which he would catch midair, throw it back, then just wrestle me to the floor. I'm starting to think I shouldn't have announced my attack every time. Yeah, because I mean, what is the point in me spending 45 minutes crawling on a dirty gym floor to get behind him without him noticing <laughs> for me to exclaim, wrestle this asshole. <laughs> One time I didn't even get to do anything. He just turned around and socked me in the balls. <laughs> I got the first syllable out and he karate chopped my windpipe, <laughs> wheezing me, wrestle, <gasps> dropping me immediately in front of the entire girls PE class. So unfortunately, this double parter, this episode, this conclusion of the lead mask case is a double no, not paranormal. But I would insist, if you have any interest in this case, definitely look it up online because there are so many interesting videos, articles, <clears throat> stories, threads, theories about what happened here 
Uh, if you want to go the extra mile and look into it yourself, feel free. Let us know what you find out. So thank you very much for listening to that very special episode of This Paranormal Life. And to keep in tune with the theme of special, we have a very special announcement to make. Oh my. You see, in February, we are going to hit the 100th episode of This Paranormal Life. Triple digits, baby. And we want to do something very special for that. And what we have decided to do is a This Paranormal Life live investigation oh. right here in oh. London at the Vault Festival. That's right. We are so excited about this, guys. This is going to be on the 8th of February. A live investigation hosted by me and Kit. All the commune members are invited. You know, we're going to get together. We'll swap paranormal cryptid hunting stories. Mm -hmm. We'll show our battle scars. That's right. We'll drink Lombardi. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so hopefully we can see you guys here. If you'd like to check out uh, tickets and book yourself in for the event, tickets are... Ooh, I'm just so reasonable. Ooh, wow. Wow. That's a steal. Wow. Oh, my God. How are they making money off of this? Tickets are very affordable, and they're available to purchase as of today. Right now. Right now. Oh, my God. Oh, we just sold 100. <gasps> oh, my God. You guys better grow. Dude. Uh, you can you can get those tickets on the uh, Vault Festival website. If you want a link to that, we're going to be tweeting that out at This Paranormal. Pretty much every three to five minutes for the next three months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, at This Paralife. Also on our Facebook and everything. It shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, that's The Vault Festival and This Paranormal Life Live. So if you are free on the 8th of February and want to have the literal time of your life, grab your lead sunglasses and let's party, brother. And as always, at the end of our shows, we like to give a very special shout out to the people that are supporting us on Patreon. So get ready for the best shout outs you've ever heard in podcast history. Let's go. A special thank you to... Peter Hall! Deck the halls with lots of Peter. Excited for Christmas, Peter? Because we are. You gave us the greatest gift of all time. The gift that keeps on giving, they exactly. say. They, they say, you know, on Christmas, nothing's more precious than a uh, child's laughter. Do they? F*** that. That person's never heard of cold hard cash you probably have because you know what you can do you could pay a kid to laugh if you really want to it's a bit weird but you could yeah have you done that nope no 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 you could never prove it and you could never prove it so don't even try real defensive don't even try i will pay you i will pay you not to prove it how much (laughs) you know some people say that money doesn't mean shit that a child's laugh is actually really just go back so you don't have a child do you want paid or do you want a child no but i can laugh like a child (laughs) (laughs) so disturbing do you see what you've done to us peter you've ripped us apart thanks peter thank you also to mark zepeda mark zepeda us a little bit of cash Thank you very much, Mark. Mark is coming down that chimney with a sack full of Patreon dollars. (laughs) Just going to all the creators' houses. Yeah. We've left you out some milk and cookies, Mark, in the form of a arigato. (laughs) So nothing then. No, well, it's more of a verbal cookie. Not even a gozai mass to go with it, which is very much the milk portion (laughs) of the cookies and milk. Uh, But we appreciate it uh, muchly, Mark. Thanks for being a day one. Thank you also to David Roberts. David, robbing hurts. We know that more than anyone because the last three Santas that came down our chimney turned out to be thugs. They were criminals. They tried to take our Patreon dollars and leave. But you, Robert, I got a good feeling about you. So please just, you know. Here's a key to my house. Here's a key to my car. Here's a key to my diary. Really? You lock it? Yeah, obviously. One of those tiny, cute, like, teenage girl, like, diaries with a little tiny lock yeah it's got a little lock and then it's voice protected voice protected what's the password the password if you must know is dandelion why my favorite flower it's not a flower it's like a weed you should read some of the shit i say about you in this diary man honestly david knows me and david gossip about you like non-stop it's crazy really it's like oh he thinks he knows everything about dandelions Uh, david always actually um hits me up 
with your diary entries uh, on the low. He, he he's just friends with you. Are you serious? And he shares it with me and the other listeners. Actually, we talk shit about you in uh, the Secret Society. All right. Well, look, I didn't, I didn't piss myself. I wrote it as a joke. I wrote it as a little joke in case someone found the diary. I wrote it as a. It was like a. If, if you find this, I've pissed myself. But I didn't. I obviously didn't in real life. You heard it here uh, first, folks. I didn't in real life. Thanks. Dandelion. Dandelion. I'm trying to lock the diary. Dandelion. It's opening up further. More floating diary. <laughs> no. Dandelion. I didn't know you were a smart diary. <laughs> Thank you also to Sam Ross. Thanks, Sam DeBoss Ross. And he is a cruel, um, intimidating boss. He's, yeah. Oh my, my God. Always asking for reports, breathing down my neck. He's got me working overtime like crazy. Some bosses, you know, they say rule with an iron fist. Yeah. But uh, Ross rules with an iron foot. It's more like a steel cap toe that he uses to boot your ass if you fall asleep at your desk. It's insane. I mean, he just has this unbelievable Conor McGregor style 90 degree leg kick. And he just snaps it into action anytime you're slacking. It is incredible. You don't even need the, the iron. It, it, it deals full damage. But you know what? Every month he pays us a little... He ding, flicks us a little coin, so... We gotta say thanks for that. I guess he's not such a bad guy after all. Thanks, Sam. Thanks also to Paul Collins. They call him Last Call Paul. Because when the bar's shutting down at the end of the night, when it's thinning out, he's the last guy there. The bartenders, you know, want to clean up, want to head home, and they go, Last Call. And Paul goes, you know, I would like a extra virgin daiquiri with shaved vanilla triple ice on the rocks in a crooked glass with a cherry in my mouth. And they're like, you haven't ordered a single drink all night, you piece of shit. You wait until the last moment. And they're there, you know, for the next 45 minutes, hour, because he keeps sending them back. He's like, right. glass wasn't crooked. I yeah, said, yeah, triple yeah. ice, asshole. You know, he's he's keeping them up till, you know, 4 a.m. And everyone behind him in the queue, it's like that thing, you know, all the guys who just want a pint. The yeah. guy who opens the cocktail, he's dead to them. It's like this twat. And then he finally gets it right 7 a.m. when the bar opens again. <laughs> and Paul just pours it out in front of him and leaves. What does he do for a living? No one knows. So petty. It's I have no so idea. Weird. But he gets, but, and he's a massive smile on his face. He's he's, so he loves it. much joy out of it. Hey, who are we to say what to do and what not to do, brother? Thanks for the support. Yeah. Thank you, lastly, but not leastly, to Devin Misner. Yeehaw! What's that on the horizon? The magnificent Devin. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with it, so. The sharpest shot in the West. Jesus Christ. I mean, from. From that distance, he could probably take each testicle off both of us one at a time. With one bullet, wanted style, curves it round. We're running to the horizon. (laughs) Wee bowling style, insane (laughs) levels of curve. Fastest in the west, most crooked in the east, most noble in the north, and (laughs) most horny in the south. That's the magnificent Devon. They say rolls all seven deadly sins into one mean bastard. But we got his support, and we don't want to cross him, so thank you, Devin. Yeah, he runs this time. It's Devin's world. We just live in it. So thank you, Devin. Thank you to everyone else we've shouted out on this podcast and every other one. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Finally, a nice conclusion that we've dealt with. And we'll be back next week with a brand new paranormal tale. Bye-bye. Ciao. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.